So there's some new podcast merch. We have uh, pod mod shirts, hoodies, socks, tank tops, women cut tees, tote bags. And we also have the bleep bloop 2000 uh, design up. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the bleep bloop 2000 is, it's a, uh, a fake module that my friend Jenny made for me with a ridiculous faceplate. Um, so yeah, there is all sorts of stuff up at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash podular modcast. This week's episode is made possible by After Later Audio's Heritage Line, Patchwork Seattle, and listeners like you. If you'd like to help keep these episodes coming each week, please visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Have you entered to win Anita Woodworks case powered by Eschatonic Modular? No? What are you thinking? Why haven't you entered to win this giant giant beautiful piece of furniture that also will house and power your Eurorack modules. Head over to NeedhamWoodworks.com to learn how to enter this great contest. Also head over to their Instagram page and check out their Pythagoro skiffs. That's hard for me to say. Pythagoro. Beautiful little for you 120 or 160 HP skiffs. Also powered by Eschatonic Modular. So yeah, head to needhamwoodworks.com to learn more about all that amazing stuff I just talked about. Speaking of amazing stuff, thank you, Lisa Belladonna, for this tasty, sweet, and sultry jam. Please uh, do yourself a favor and head over to lisabelladonna.bandcamp.com and check out her amazing catalog. Pretty, pretty awesome music over there. Yeah, I love that little piano roll. another episode of Podular Modcast. How are you doing? How are you holding up? I hope you're doing okay. Um, first up, let me say thank you to uh, Crosby Morgan for making that amazing song that you heard at the beginning. It's called the COVID-19 song. And uh, yeah, it's on Bandcamp. I highly suggest you check it out. It's pretty funny. And uh, I think that's what we need right now. We need some, some light-hearted humor. Uh, and we also need to say thank you to everybody who's working in the medical field, anybody who's working at a grocery store right now, uh, anybody who's working uh, at any sort of service where they're delivering goods to people. You're keeping our society together right now. And uh, I know things are really, really crazy for you and really stressful. And I just want to say thank you so much. Um, yeah, we, we would literally fall apart without you. So if you know somebody personally who is, uh, especially grocery store workers, I know a few, uh, a couple of our family members and close friends are working in grocery right now, and it is absolutely insane for them right now. So if you know somebody in, in, those, in that industry or the medical field, please reach out and, and give them a nice message because uh, 
they could use some positivity because they're they're going through, they're going through some shit. I mean, we all are, but they're they're really on the front lines. Um, speaking of going through some shit, I hope you're handling this okay. Um, I'm trying to think of this as an opportunity to make lemonade. Um, it's a really crazy situation that we're all dealing with right now, and we're all you know we're all having to isolate. Some of us with a partner, and some of us with a family, and some of us by ourselves. And um, I tell you what, they all have their challenges. I'm sure something me and Hannah have had to talk about because we read some articles about it is we're going to handle this differently, and we have to let we have to give each other the space to handle it differently. Um, and if you're going through it alone right now, I would say, you know, try to try to talk on the phone or Skype, you know, with as many people as you can when you're feeling uh, especially isolated and like you want some some company. But also, I really would like to urge you if you're on your own to take this opportunity to to practice being alone and and making peace with that and really and working on some you know if, you, if you've always wanted to try meditation now is the time and uh you know or, or you know is there is that creative project that you've always wanted to dive into the album or um you know even a particular module you wanted to learn how you know you can keep yourself busy read that book series that you've always wanted to read there's some really great stuff on netflix right now um but I've also seen some people talk about uh, having a hard time getting motivated to do that stuff because of the anxiety of what's going on right now. So I decided to uh, to put out this guided meditation that I made. I actually made it for my mom who has, uh, she has anxiety and panic attacks. And I made it for her to try out uh, just to calm down. And uh, so it's just kind of been sitting around on her phone and in my hard drive. But I thought I would offer it out to anybody who, who would like to try it. So it's on Bandcamp for free at selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. Um, it's called Podular Meditation. There'll be a link in the description. But if you're feeling like you want to get something done, but you're a little too wound up and a little too anxious, uh, try this out. Put on some headphones and really give it a shot. And uh, I'd also like to hear back from anybody who tries it because this is kind of a prototype for a project that I've been wanting to do. So I've wanted to make some cool guided meditations with modular music. So uh, yes, please try that. And uh, please try to stay sane out there and healthy. Now some business. I want to tell you, this episode today is brought to you by Eurodesk Z, makers of the Hex 01, which is a professional Eurorack cable hanger created with advanced modular synth users in mind. Has 48 available slots for storing hundreds of patch cables. Um, it's, and it looks great. It sits on top of a microphone stand. And I'll tell you, before I had this, this isn't just because it's an ad. Not just because they're supporting the show. I've actually had this before they started supporting the show. I'm a, I'm a fan. This thing changed the game as far as cable management for me goes. Before this, it was always kind of a, a source of anxiety and, and clutter. But now it's just nice and organized, and uh, it just makes patching. It's, it's just much more. I'm much more efficient now because I have everything kind of organized by size, so I can just reach out and grab it. They also just came out with a new product called Desk Stars with a Z, which is a height adjustable equipment stand designed to support most desktop music devices, small to mid-sized Eurorack cases, groove boxes, drum machines, synth modules, and the height adjustable feature allows for cables and rear panel audio jacks to pass under your gear, maximizing your desktop space. So please. Please go to eurodesk-z.com. That's eurodesk-z.com. So I just want to take a moment to remind everybody that if you head over to Recovery Effects and use the code PODMOD20 on a new bad comrade, you're going to get $20 off 
That runs till the end of this month, so please take advantage of that. Also, another way to get a good deal on recovery effects is to become a recovery effects artist. They just opened it up. So if you're an artist out there that uses recovery effects and you want to help promote the brand and uh, you know get a, get a good deal on the effects pedals or modules, please go to recoveryeffects.com to see how you can learn more about that. And one more thing really quick, um, I'm still uh, open for more modular lessons. I've given three so far. I'm giving another one tomorrow. It has been an absolute blast. So shout out to um, everybody who's taken a lesson with me so far. It's been a whole lot of fun. Um, yeah, but if you're interested, hit me up at podmodcast at gmail.com. Let's check out a demo. So last week we talked to Joran from Uranalog and we uh, discussed the Generate 3 in quite a bit of detail and I just got one. This is not going to be a fully fleshed out demo because it's new to me, but I uh, I just want to show you some of the sounds that it can make. So here we have it droning along here. Let's send, uh, let's send a signal to maths and then we're going to send channels 1 and 4 out to control the even and odd. Um, outputs of the Generate 3. So let's just do that really quick. So that's pretty fun. Now let's get really crazy. There's an exponential FM and then there's a through zero FM. Let's take a Bosque oscillator from After Later Audio and put it through uh, the through zero FM input. And now let's take uh, a triangle wave from another Bosque oscillator and put it through the uh, exponential FM. And then I wanted to try something really crazy, so I took uh, an, an output from the 100 grit from Schlappy Engineering, and I'm going to put that into the phase input of the Generate 3. And I'm controlling the FM of the 100 grit with the DivKid Opt. So there's a little taste. We're going to learn so much more about this next week, but I just got it, but uh, it, was, it was too cool to not share. So uh, yeah, go check out uranalog.com to learn more. Well, for one, this is crazy, crazy fucking quarantine times, and we'll try not to belabor it too much um, because, you know, people <laughs> listening in the future, if there is a future, it will very much date this episode, but I am curious... Uh, how it's impacting your your life uh, personally and creatively, and are you making lemonade with this this time that you have to spend in, inside? <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, it's been like you know the the upsides of it. I, I'm I'm a I'm a homebody, so like you know staying in isn't really that big of a deal to me. Yeah. Um, it's obviously got a lot more weight on it just because of what's happening. It's mm -hmm. not like I'm just voluntarily or anybody for that matter is just staying in. But, um, you know, I've been working on a couple new records, so it's, it, you know, it's high time for me to just be like, I'm not using the phone, not looking at social media, um, just kind of staying in. I'm fortunate enough that I have an, you know, an office job uh, that I can do at home anyway. So whenever... 
I work from home, which is actually fairly often anyway. It's kind of like I'm doing mixing or you know playing with the synthesizer in the background or something anyway, which yeah. <laughs> might be bad for my work attention span. But um, inevitably, my work has kind of like slowed down during these times anyway. So I've been doing a ton of mixing, trying to be as creative as possible, reading a lot of sci-fi, watching a lot of movies. Um, I read something that I thought was like really interesting um, a few days back where it was like, you know, during these times, people are like really pushed to, you know, want to create something and like, oh, I, you know, I've got this time off. I should do this. I got to make this record. And that's like, you know, that's all well and good. But at the same time, sometimes it's really good, like times for just absorption. You know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with reading and watching movies and, and, you know, digesting tons of information while you can. So I'm trying to take it as positive as I can, you know, <laughs> at the same time, it's, it's, it's a rare, beautiful day in Chicago in mid-March, and you know there's not a cloud in the sky, and I I can't go outside, so yeah. <laughs> it's, kinda, it's, it's you know there's definitely like a mental weight, um, you know, and I'm sure you know I know it's not as bad in certain places, but in Chicago and I, you know, everyone else I know in like big cities and stuff is pretty much reduced to staying at home, so you know. Yeah, it's it's crazy how fast it escalated. But going back to your point of the whole, uh, you know, I, I have seen a lot of people posting about like, you know, well, this is this is the time to be into modular and you know, u- utilize this time. And I wonder how many, uh, you know, how many EPs are going to be called, you know, quote COVID nineteen quarantine or something like that. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I kind of uh, I have a similar setup to where I, I you know I work on stuff during the day. I I teach classes at night, which those classes are canceled. So that's kind of stressful sure. for me, but, um, you know, during the days when I work on the podcast and demo videos and stuff, and I was thinking of, you know, the, the thought did occur to me like, Oh man, I should start working on an album. But then another part of my brain was like, well, don't like just slap out some stuff because you think you should because of what's going on. I'm trying to actually just treat it, not really change much of my, my workflow in the day. I'm going to still try to do, I'm not going to, you know, allow myself to get lazy with it and be like, well, I can't do anything, but I don't think I'm going to try to put it into overdrive either. Cause who knows how long it's going to last. <laughs> I don't want to burn myself out on the, the, the most entertaining thing that I have in my house, you know? Yeah, it's a good point. And like, it kind of how you mentioned, like, you know, if there is a future or whatever, but like, <laughs> you know, looking back on this conversation, things could change in like five days, but it right. could also be much longer than two weeks. So, you know, it'll be interesting to yeah. <laughs> find out. But yeah, like at the same time, it's like, you know, if creativity or inspiration isn't striking, there's nothing like wrong with that, you know, at a time like this. It's like, you know, it's always good to like, you know, sharpen your skills, so to speak. So, Definitely. Yeah, I definitely know some people are like, I'm going to make a new record, I'm going to do this, and it's like, maybe that's not the best thing. Yeah, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely not going to tell anybody what to do with yeah. their time. I mean, if you um, have a creative it, bug, it, then go for it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, for me, it, it's it's hard to kind of, like, stop recording or stop doing things, because I tend to be working on at least a couple projects or a couple different records at once. Um, but right now, it's just like, oh, I have the time to mix, you know, this thing that I didn't really think was going to be able to be mixed until June or something. So I've been trying to spend as much time on it as possible, but at the same time, there's like really no reason to rush it, rush it at all. Yeah, um, I found myself like more, more interested in like, you know, the past couple of nights being like, well, I've got all this stuff done, but it's also fun to like, Oh, I'll whip up a patch I've never tried before. Or I'll, you know, finally 
you know, learn something I've been meaning to learn, (laughs) whether it's, you know, whether it's reading one of the, you know, hundred books that I've been meaning to read or, (laughs) you know, one of the 500 movies I've been wanting to watch or um, that's what I've been thinking about. Yeah. I've actually been like, I just talked to, um, Josh Eustace, who does the project telephone Tel Aviv, um, which is a super inspiring project to me. And he had kind of learned, in the past couple of years, he went from being like a non Max MSP user to like an absolute, like insane, like very forward thinking, like power user, uh, <laughs> so to speak, of Max MSP. And he had all done it through this like online course. And for years, Max MSP has been one of these things that I've owned and used to like very, very little extent. Um, but I, there was a, there's a cadence course through Stanford that's starting, it literally started today. So I was like, you know what, like if there's a good time to like learn this, whether I fully dive into it or not, like this is the time I have, Definitely. you know, yeah. minimally one free hour a day to just like learn about something new, whether it's about sound or synthesis or whether it's about, you know, reading, you know, whatever else, you know, right. being on social media or you know, anything like that is like what I'm trying not to do. Yeah. I, <laughs> mental health is important. Right. right? Yeah. I think going back to what you're saying earlier too, I know, I know that, you know, there's, there's people who really hate mixing. Um, but if you're out there and you're, and you're, you don't like mixing, but you have mixing projects to do for, to get stuff done, you know, maybe this is the perfect time to, to hunker down and do the work that you've been putting off or something like that too. Yeah, absolutely. The the other thing is it's like, if, you know, if, if, if you're looking for, other people to help you mix or master records or especially things like that, that can be done just through communication with people without meeting up in person. It's a great time to, you know, if you have a ma- like a record to master, like give it, give it to a mastering engineer. Those people are largely out of work or, you know, a mixing engineer. And, you know, it, it's a time that people are in a lot of communication, you know, social distancing Definitely. doesn't necessarily have to mean that you can't talk to people. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, supporting, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a local business for delivery or whether it's, uh, you know, getting some, some, you know, affordable work done at a time when people really need the money. This is definitely the time. Um, yeah, for sure. If anybody hearing this wants some mastering engineers, uh, email addresses that probably need some work, I can definitely give you that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if anybody out there is looking to take some modular lessons, uh, hit me up. I'm, I'm building a course right now. Um, but so, uh, well, okay, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you're, you know, you're working on multiple projects. And that, that made me remember something that we talked about that I definitely want wanted to talk about again and that was uh i think your studio got robbed or something and you lost albums that are now gone forever that never saw the light of day yeah absolutely um so the record that came out um around when we first talked just a couple months ago um plug it real quick i guess uh, yeah, i definitely <laughs> want to get to uh, that for sure yeah, my uh, my newest release, which is this uh, EP, a 12-inch EP on Make Noise, um, called Electronic Hypnosis Program, came out in uh, just before the end of the year in November. And um, the record was kind of like a year late, uh, more or less, because in the previous fall, I had come home one night and my studio uh, clearly been broken into, or I mean, my apartment very clearly broken into right when I got there. But um, 
of all the things they could have took, they took my main recording computer, um, which was unfortunate because I would, would have, you know, it, it, ironically at the time, everyone's like, did you lose your synthesizer? Did you lose this? And I'm like, no, I kind of wish they took it. You know what I mean? Cause that yeah. stuff's all like material that's like, I could have, you know, either tracked down if they were selling it, um, or I just could have bought again, you know, right. none of that stuff really meant anything. You know, all that stuff is very, all my instruments are very personal to me, but at the same time they can be rebought. Mm-hmm. My computer had hundreds of hours of recordings that, um, you know, they were backed up and <laughs> the kind of number one question everybody asked, they're like, well, why didn't you back your stuff up? I'm like it was backed up. They stole the hard drives the that were connected. <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> something to be mindful of. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, in addition, and I lost, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of photos that meant a lot to me. Not everything I had ever had. There's definitely drives that have stuff kind of before, mm-hmm. you know, certain years that were on that computer. But there is like a couple year period of just endless recordings. And the record um, at the time had been completely finished. And I had, I had, I had hit up <laughs> Tony and Peter at Make Noise and was like, hey, the record's done. I'm just going to kind of let it marinate for a couple days. I'll send it next week. Um, Which is just sort of something I tend to do. And it's like, looking back on that, it's such a a kind of funny last words because it was like, then I had to come back like five days later and be like, hey, guys, I hate to tell you this, but the record's gone. Um, Well, that must have been frustrating for them too, because I mean, they they don't make noise. I mean, they're primarily a, a modular module manufacturer, right. so they're not pumping a lot of records out. So, like, did they have anything on standby to release in the meantime, or was it was that even really? I know, an issue I know them? that the Evan Calmanitti record, which is an awesome record, um, came out after that. But I wouldn't. I, I I have a feeling just based on like the time frame that it was actually probably already done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, luckily they 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 have a. You know, they 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 were super accommodating and lax with like the schedule for like their LP releases. Um, I think you know if this was like you know in regards to, like the module world, if that was a manufacturing error that set them back, that would have been a massive setback. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in this case, it was it was super good for them. Um, when it first happened, I was absolutely like opposed to redoing the record. I kind of wanted to be like, I think this record's just like not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had already began working on like two kind of other projects that I, were very, very different. And the mindset of that EP was very, very different. So I was just like, I don't know if I really wanted to do this. And there was a really cool um, outpouring of like support when my my stuff got stolen that was really like, I didn't really see coming. I was super just like, well, you know what? This, this didn't happen. That's kind of the way it goes. Um, but I ended up recording the record in, you know, an entire new version of the record, uh, which I like a lot better than the original. And I did it a lot faster just because I was like kind of supercharged. I was like really inspired and I was actually really kind of excited to be like, okay, well I loved how this track worked before, I obviously can't redo it exactly, but I can definitely like, I have a very good, like kind of like patch memory and I'm, I'm pretty good at, um, or at least I like kind of like deconstructing things like, like in reverse a little bit, like Mm -hmm. sort of like reverse engineering things. So it was kind of like thinking of older tracks and I'm just kind of be like, well, how would I, 
reverse engineer this? Like, I, you know, I obviously kind of remember how I did something, but not exactly. So you had so, a good enough memory I, of these tracks in your head to kind of have a, a reference point to, you know, basically, you know, almost like a paint from memory, like try to create it again, but maybe, you know, fix details that you wish you would have done differently or something like that, or... A little bit, yeah, yeah. You know, it was it, some of them were really, really fresh in my memory, and I was like, okay, I can try and redo them. The thing that is, I think, kind of like a cool or interesting like side effect of that is like, you know, if I tried to like reverse engineer any track from like memory, it's going to come out a little bit different right. um, every time. So I just kind of ended up like preferring those newer versions. You know, I w- I, I was definitely. There's nothing on like the the released LP that I like less than the original version. I can I can at least say that. That's um, good. I yeah. think some stuff is some stuff is definitely like pretty similar, but um, like the single track um, called Pulse Reader, which there's like a video of that track. I knew kind of like exactly how to do it. Um, again, uh, it's a track I've done live. It's kind of a thing like you know, it's like a it, kind of like a patching, like a working patch method that like. I was working with for like months trying to kind of make a few tracks like that. So it really wasn't that hard to get back to the whole vibe. But like, is this track like, you know, line for line the same? Not at all. Like, it's just, it's just kind of like a similar, you know, it's kind of like if you recorded something with like one patch, like on Monday and then came back to that same patch on like Saturday. That's, or yeah, that's what I was just playing a little bit like different. Multiple takes of a, of, yeah. Cause I have, I definitely have a couple patches that I can like totally un- like I could just build there's one in particular that I've been kind of working on different versions of over, you know, months and I could patch it up in 10 minutes right now and it'd be roughly the same. And in fact, I keep, I keep coming back to it because every time I track it, it's like, it's like something, I love the sequence so much that I want to make sure that I get it patched perfectly with the right CV. And I just, I haven't found the perfect version yet. So I'm just going to, you know, every, every so often come back to it. But, but it, if, if I recorded it today and then had that same situation that you had, I could, I could, I could get pretty damn close, you know, next week. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also like a pretty big proponent of, of working with like patches kind of like in like a serial fashion like that. Um, when I was like first getting into modular, um, probably around like 2008 or nine or something around there is when I, I think I started, I kind of started buying up and just kind of using modular more so than anything else I was using. Um, Keith Lorton Whitman was like a massive, massive inspiration for me. And he had spent like the few years around like 2010, maybe 2007 to like 2012 or something kind of doing this piece called generators, which is like, he did it live. I don't know how many hundreds of times and released a couple versions of that. And then after that, he went to this like kind of similar patch method but had a completely different sound called occlusions and he did that piece for like a few years and now he's doing this like piece called redactions which i just saw in chicago a couple weeks ago and it's it's interesting to watch somebody just like kind of work in like this one way it's like this one sort of ethos of like how the whole thing works and just spend like years at it because you really do hear changes and you kind of hear how somebody is working you know sort of like spending like years and years painting you know dogs it's like i'm gonna paint dogs for like five years and it's like, you know and then i'm and then i'm and then i'm gonna go that's a horrible analogy by the way um <laughs> but like you know i'm i'm gonna do this one kind of thing and just like focus all this work into it and i think that's really important like my my record my first record for spectrum spools um seed was was done that way and 
Executive Dreamtime, my record on Yuma Rex from 2016 was done the same way, where it was just like months and months and months of patching um, this kind of one kind of working method um, that kind of just evolved and devolved, I guess. Um, also, like, kind of engineered so I could do it live, you know, kind of getting the most out of, you know, one kind of singular idea. Mm-hmm. And then farming just months and months and months of material and then kind of going back to it after you've recorded it. Like, I, I never, um, I'm almost never, like, kind of record entire, like, tracks or pieces or anything in the moment you know i I tend to do lots of like focused recording for a few days at a time rarely kind of listening back and then going back as an afterthought and kind of seeing where everything is at that and sometimes it'll be like oh i'm actually going to try and redo this again but most of the time i find it what i find what i'm looking for without kind of knowing it's there you know just through like kind of if if that makes sense yeah and i think that going back like i think recording something and then um maybe not listening to it until you've you know got it totally out of your head um i think i think that can be really useful sometimes because i'll find that if i record something and then i'll listen back to it instantly i'll find oh i hated i hated how i switched that there i'm gonna try it again and i and then with every take i feel like i'm just getting further and further away from what i wanted to do because i'm just being i think i'm just too close to it and i know what's happening with every single tiny change and i think if you get that out of your head a little bit and you can go back and listen to it um you just it's i don't know that you you put less weight on every like minuscule movement that you do with every little knob and you kind of forget where you did things and, and hopefully some of that changing, you know, the, where you changed certain parameters is almost kind of washed away and you don't, you can't really tell where it begins and ends. And I think you can have a better, uh, objective idea of whether or not you tracked a good patch. I don't know. Did that make sense at all? I feel like, no, absolutely. No, I completely agree. I mean, there's been so many times that I, I was like kind of like caught up in a moment where I'm like, I love the way this works. I'm going to do it and I'm going to redo it and I'm going to do things like, you know, I'm going to make this timing thing work and I'm going to like play this track as like live as possible, you know, when I'm like multi-tracking some like big patch and it's, it, I, it's never one time has any of those made a, a, a record. Like it's never, it's never once happened. Yeah. Like, and it ends up being these things that I'm like kind of like embarrassed about at the end of the day where I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever recorded or it just sounds a little like, um, uh, you know, like my best example would be like if you if you like first pick up Ableton Live and you just like make like a drum break and it's just like it's really on the grid, it's really stiff sounding, you know, it's something, you know, this it, it, it's really flat. Right. Um, you know, it takes a couple things to kind of like make this sound a little looser, a little more natural. And um, that tends to be kind of my working method where it's like when I try to make things a certain way, I think it kind of sounds convoluted and it sounds really like simple and just like flat. That um, happens to me all the time. Yeah. Usually I have two ways of going about recording. It's like, I usually am like, let's see what I make today. Or I want to try to make something like this. And it's always the first, you know, it's the, let's see what happens that ends up becoming something. You know, every time I'm like, I'm going to make, you know, a funky song today, or I'm going to, you know, or I'm going to go industrial today. Yeah. I don't, it don't, there. And, and it's funny you say that kind of flat, that flatness or there, there is, there is something about that with modular too, where sometimes, Oh, that just sounds like you patched something up. You know, like I, I listen to things that I've maybe recorded, you know, in the past and I'm like, what compelled me to 
record this, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I really like this, but there's something about, I don't know there. I feel like, um, there's this thing that that's been on like the, the tip of my, the tongue in my brain that I, I can't quite put my finger on yet, but it, there's, there's the sound that I get out of modular sometimes and it just sounds too modular. You're like, Oh, sure. No, I completely understand. Um, that's definitely like a feeling that I get sometimes when I'm kind of like poking around trying to do something. It's, it, it, yeah, it, it's unsurprising like that you say that. Like a lot of times when I'm like, I'm going to go do this thing, it tends to be a little, it just is a little weird. It doesn't sound like, I don't feel like it sounds like me at all. Say, yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes it's a bit on the nose. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I I tend to like whenever there's something like that, and there's like something in there that I really want to use or whatever it is, I kind of tend to just try and use some sort of like a like a post working method around it. Whether you know a lot, I, I'm a big big proponent and user of granular synthesizers, and a lot of times a lot of things that I'm using in granular are just recordings of modular synthesizers played back. Very not actually that differently but because they're you know it went from this like one recorded method into like it being played back it's just a little bit different all of a sudden it kind of takes on something a little like more alien a little more you know to to my liking you know at least at least least for me I, i definitely can't like say like every method will work for anybody using it but I feel like just like an immediate remixing of what you've done, whether it's like, you know, I'm, I, I've, you know, done a lot of work with like the morphogene, obviously. And it's like morphogene is a really good way um, in the modular to kind of do that. It's like record your patches into a morphogene and play them back kind of the same. And it's going to, it's going to be kind of weird. You know what I mean? It's kind of got to be this, it's some weirder carbon copy of a thing. And the more that kind of happens, you know, or or try using different effects or cutting it up or, you know, what, whatever your, like, most creative working method is, whether it's computer or modular, um, I think, like, immediately reworking things can be pretty cool. Um, or you just... Fr- or like, you, Go ahead. No, go on, sir. I was just going to say that takes it a further... That takes it a, a step further away from something that somebody else could have done on your system. Like the more times that you reprocess things or, or find unique signal paths or find ways to kind of scuff things up in your own way, it just becomes, it takes it like another step further away from being this like pristine thing that could be recreated by anybody on the same system. And then I feel like it Absol- adds personality. Absolutely. There's also like, you know, a thing that, you know, it, it's inherent with anything. And I think it's, or anybody type t- doing you know different types of electronic music you know people like kind of joke and complain about like you know you've heard the same like Roland D50 or DX7 patches and like you know thousands and thousands of pop songs right right but like I hear those same things in you know in a lot of like modular things same that I'm here. hearing yeah I've been noticing um, that too. sometimes and, in my own patches. and <laughs> yeah for sure yeah I know yeah you can definitely hear it in your own things and to me it's like not that different you know like i i'm a massive fan i can spend all day just like trying to farm sounds good or bad that i've just never heard you know that's that's kind of my like basis and interest in experimental music and i really really try to push that in my music whenever there's something that sounds kind of too normal or like i've heard the sequence before on like a record in the 70s it's like okay well what can i do to make that 
a little bit different. Is it the timing that I want to change? Is it the actual like sound, the tone of, you know, this kind of sound I'm trying to sculpt or is this just not something I'm interested in doing at all? You know, um, I think, you know, this, I, you know, it's, it, it's sort of like presets. It's like, I don't know if I think that presets were ever supposed to be used or like ever <laughs> intended on being used. I think they were just like, I don't think that they're, they're bad at all, but I think it's like, I have this like hard time believing that like Roland was like, yeah, these sounds are going to be used on like thousands of pop records. It was like, no, that synth was just like impossible to program yeah. <laughs> and nobody bothered and no, and nobody bothered with it because it was like these, these bells in 1985 or whatever sounded amazing. Yeah. So, you know, for me now it's like, Oh, I really want those bells, but like, how can I process it back? Or, you know, it can be as simple as like playing a sound backwards or running through something through a harmonizer or what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think is like a cool practice and it just kind of gets you out of your, you know, even if it's not something you use or you, if you want to make things that are more straightforward or you don't like experimental music, that's totally cool too. I just think that like, it's all about like kind of sharpening your, you know, your tools a little bit, like yeah. being able to do whatever. Like I, I, I never feel hindered by, um, my modular synthesizer at all. And it's not some big expansive, you know, 50 grand wall thing, you know, it's right. pretty small. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've been, you know, using it for years and it's just, that's kind of, you know, it's been my main instrument for a very long time. And the computer is the same way. I, there, I really don't feel like there's a sound that I can't make with those. And that gives me like a lot of, um, it just gives me a lot of like energy to make stuff. Like I don't really feel like anytime I sit down, I'm going to come up with something I've like necessarily heard before. And if I want to, then that's totally cool too. You know, right. there's, there's definitely a place for that. I think that further to like one, one really simple technique to kind of like underlie the, the spirit of this conversation that we're having right now is, is, is multi-tracking as, as much as possible, I think allows you to, um, you know, it allows you to, for one, you can take away things that maybe, oh, I did this one thing too long. I wish I would have switched that off sooner. Well, maybe you can, if you have it multi-tracked, you can duck that out and post. And also having things multi-tracked, we can do the kind of things that we're talking about, you know, processing things in certain ways, um, on individual pieces of it. Um, I know it's hard to get every single thing multi-tracked, but if you have, what I like to do is use a couple different mixers throughout the whole setup and kind of divide up frequencies you know, in, in the stereo field, how I want them to be kind of, well, okay, I want these, this high and this mid to kind of be on the, the left side. So I'll put those together on a mixer or, or, you know, stuff like that. There, there's all sorts of creative ways you can find with modular and recording. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big proponent of that. Like having, you know, the most available to you, I don't think is like always like the coolest thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, having like, you know, what makes sense for you. It's like, I have tons of simple mixers in my system just because I love doing like little sub mixes. I have tons of really basic things like that that are ultimately like the most essential pieces of gear, way more so than they, like any like, you know, big selling thing that I own, which I own very little of, right. if, if, if any. So it's like, for me, yeah, just having like more simple tools, I think is like, you know, whether it's, you know, multi-tracking recording and having a decent interface or having a good workflow in your computer is as important to me as having like a good workflow yeah. when you're patching. Yeah. And I think something, it's, I, I feel like you have to be doing it for a certain, like there's this weird amount of time that I think is maybe, you know, just over a year and a half, around two years where you start realizing like how, 
how badass and useful simple utility modules are and you're like oh because they're not exciting at first you know um you know you want all the cool crazy sound generating things and yeah so like you were saying like some of the smaller simple stuff is the more crucial stuff in your system for me for, for yeah for it, it's always been like that you know when I, I started playing shows maybe like six months into having you know a modular system when there was like three things in there you know like i was just like well these are becoming useful you know i wasn't i it was definitely not financially in a position to like have a big system and i've oh i've always been very curious about how people actually learn synthesis by having a big system um, but like, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly baffled by it. And anytime, you know, a lot of people, you know, here in Chicago and, and, and elsewhere have like asked me tons over the years, like, Oh, what do you recommend to start? What do you, you know, what, what this is? And it's always like, well, what are you trying to do? But then also like, let's take, you know, take the slow road. You know, it's, it, it, I, I'd, I'd much rather like, you know, learn to go down, you know, all the gradual hills instead of take the fastest one, the slowest way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, when I was first starting, like I've, I've got, I've got 15 U right now and it's almost full if, and that's what I wanted when I first started. Like if I, if you were to take my case back to, you know, me in my first month, I would have loved it, but I think I would have been a worse synthesis by now because I, like you said, I would I think I would have just been way too confused and I wouldn't have, you know, when you, when you have four modules, you make that work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, like, the, the, the big crossover instrument for me was the Korg MS-20. MS yeah. um, I got an MS-20. I've had two now. Um, I've had I've two had as Korg well. MS-10. Yeah, I've had a Korg MS-10 as well. I got those around, like, 2006 or seven. I want to say. And I, I very quickly realized, like, how much of a synthesizer I kind of wasn't using. Like, I, 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 um, I, w I wasn't interested in a lot of these things. And I started, at the time, you know, synthesizers.com and Dopefur and, like, you know, maybe Plan B or something. There's a few companies that offered things. But the main reason I even um, got into Eurorack was because Dopefur had a module, and I still think it's, like, the best module ever made. But um, they had a module at the time and still do, which is just four free running LFOs, like independent. There's no CV over them. It's like four LFOs with three outputs each. And I was like, that changes everything. Like, yeah. I was like, this is, this is, I, 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 yeah. I was like, hold, you know, <laughs> hold the phone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can get, because I, I never, I never understood why that, that didn't exist on these like sort of bigger systems. Um, like my first record is a ton of R2600 and MS20. And I was always like confused about those systems. And the first thing, like modular things I ever owned was I had commissioned like some friends of mine to build me. So these sort of like patch companion boxes for my MS20, um, which basically just had like extra LFOs and like extra mixers. And then we had modded a couple things on the MS20 just to kind of like have some additional outs. But it was like, once having that, it was like, okay, yeah, now I have an oscillator for, or, you know, an LFO for the oscillator. I have an LFO for the filter. I have an LFO for this. And it's like, that was always like, it made so much more sense to me to have like little things like that than to be like, oh, I want like four, four oscillators. It's going to be this big, like, quote, fat sound. I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, I don't even want the filter or the yeah. VCA. Like, just <laughs> give me like, like you know, these couple things and this and I'm, and I, and I'm good to go. Um, 
for certain things. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of like my patches that I've been running for years that just are, you know, you know, there are a couple chords, you know, they, it's just little systems that I found that works, whether it's like a little clocking system that just kind of has a little odd way about it, or, you know, oscillator FM trip tricks that I use for drums for, you know, three or four albums now. And, you know, things like that, you know, it's like sequencing without sequencers, you know, there was never yeah. really sequencers out there that I liked. Um, and still, because it, it's just it's it's a very straightforward way of working. So it's like, okay, well, how can I do this without it? Has always been my my big thing because it was like I was never in a position to buy all this stuff. And I also, it, you know, if 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 I started making you know six figures a year, I really don't think my uh, my system or my studio would grow that much. You know, my everything is like I like what it does. It's great at what it does. It sits there. It's simple. That's pretty much like been my ethos. If like I, I notoriously sell like way more than I buy, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm yeah. kind of like always like I'm kind of always like racing to like zero. Like how how much like little <laughs> clutter do do I have? Like how how much you know if I, if I haven't used this thing in like six weeks, it just kind of looks like you know some money on my shelf or right. something. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just like I'll just get rid of this and use something I would like. So it's, it's funny you yeah. mentioned that like. It's not quite the same, but I have a, like a similar thing that happened to me recently. Is I, I was in, you know, I had I had two MS two thousands. I've had a couple micro Korgs, and I had a Nord Lead two that I was borrowing from a friend forever. And once I got into modular, that Nord Lead two went under you know, went into the closet and just sat there. And my friend was like, Hey, I think I want to actually start learning how to use that. Can I have it back? And I'd had it for like three years. So I said, okay, yeah, sure. And, um, brought it over to, you know, to my parents' house. Cause that person lives over by my parents. And, and for the day leading up, you know, they were going to come get it from me after they got off work. So I was like, I'm going to play with this today because I'm not going to be able to play with it anymore after this. And it was the first time I'd played with it since I got into Eurorack. And I started realizing like, Oh shit, I know way m I understand synthesizers so much better now. Like I was making that thing do things that I'd never made it do before. Even though when I first started, I thought, you know, I I generally knew the synthesis, you know, chain in it and and generally how it worked, but it was crazy. I recorded like, you know, hours and hours of stuff with this thing that day on my little field recorder just like, oh, sample fodder and and stuff and it was it was just really surprising to me cuz I I I didn't realize but holy shit, I understand synthesizers so much more. And now I'm like, fuck, I wish I had a MS-2000 still because that thing kind of baffled me for a long time and I didn't take the time to learn it. But now I know I could definitely figure it out. So, yeah, just a little tangent you reminded me of. No, I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, applying, like, new learnings to, like, older things you owned is great. Like, you know, there'd be months and months and months where I wouldn't touch my older synthesizers, which are largely gone. Yeah. at this point um which was a choice you know it wasn't it wasn't like i i had to but it was i ended up pulling things out of something you know you, you know the whole old dog new tricks whatever right. analogy <laughs> you can throw but i mean it's like it makes sense you know what i mean like it, you, you, there's no reason you wouldn't do that and if you didn't then you probably didn't learn much at all you know if you just if you went back to something and were just like oh i'm gonna do the same it does this well right you know what i mean like this is kind of how i use it then it was like you were going to use it that way the entire time you're probably going to use modular the same way yeah <laughs> for me it's like you know there's there's modes of doing it like i love i love like sitting down and playing guitar but i'm like terrible at it and i probably would never write guitar songs but it's like every time i sit down i tend to play in a very like john fahey 
Jack Rose like style like finger picking mode because it's like the one thing I sort of know how to do and I like doing it. <laughs> but if I was to like sit down with it, it's like I have to physically force myself to like play any other way. And what's cool about like modular or like Max MSP or the computer is you end up having like pretty big clean slates, at least for like Mac, something like Max or the modular. And you know, there's these ways of doing things, but you know, at the same time, if you go over to like any of your friends' houses, um, they're probably using them completely differently. Oh yeah. And it, and, and, and if and if they're not, then like get some cooler friends, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, get out get outside your box a little, you know. It's yeah. it's help I think it's helpful to like just kind of explore new ideas of even like staring at something, you know, just, you know, or like, Oh, I wonder I can do this. You know, it's like how many patches I make just to kind of like, you know, that I don't even necessarily like, but I'm at least being like, Oh, I at least know how to do that. You know, it's like, I have no, you know, I don't tend to make like this style of thing, but it is helpful to know that because you can at least maybe be like, Oh, you know what? Like this gave me inspiration to make this totally different thing. And that's kind of where it came back for like my make noise record was it was like, you know, I wanted to do this, this thing like I did last time, but I tried to do that, but it ended up in a much cooler place. And I think like 90% of the time, it's like, if you go try to cover, like cover a pop song on your modular, it's like, it's going to come out nothing like that, but it'll probably come out way cooler. You right, know what I yeah, mean? It'll probably yeah. come out with some, some some way that you had no um, no notion that it would ever have gotten there. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's stuff. It's like you know, it's one step to be like, I'm just going to keep plugging shit in until it sounds completely insane. But at the same time, you'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, if, once I do this, then it's going to you know change the whole game. Like I think this the, whole patch. The cover idea is a like it's that's I think that's a really useful. Uh, exercise especially if you're maybe kind of new like pick a song that you know how to play like if you're a guitarist or you know or simply like you play piano before your module and you're relatively new like find a way to make like i made a cover of a smog song as a gift to my my wife for our wedding and oh that's that's adorable yeah yeah (laughs) and it it was a lot of fun and it's you know it's kind of cool um and uh it was a really it, it definitely like it made me think about it was different than any patch I'd ever made because I wasn't trying to make something that was kind of like, you know, a swung country style slow beat with, you know, curse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, you know, so. Um, yeah, yeah. When I, like, I was recently um, uh, at a residency at EMS, EMS Stockholm um, working with, like, primarily their large bootless system and, doing a lot of like work in their library and just kind of working on a number of things while there. And one thing I kept going back to is because there's a couple diagrams um, for, I think, the Sidewinder and Touch records, and I think for Silver Apples of the Moon of, of uh, Morton Subotnik records, oh, which cool. if listeners aren't familiar, they're, you know, I think, I think essential modular and even beyond that experimental music uh, listening. But he has a number of, you know, essays, I think I'm pretty sure they're included on those records. I just can't remember, but it, it, a quick internet search would find them. And I was, they're very odd in ways that like, the, you know, I tend to kind of patch through, like, I hate, I really, really hate using these terms like the East coast and West coast things, but like, right. I tend to have a lot, a lot more, uh, like identity within like West coast patches. Um, it's just a little bit more like, I don't know, just it makes a little more sense to me for whatever reason. But 
even a number of his, I would be like, oh, that's really interesting. And then you can kind of get it there. And then, you know, once you kind of don't get it there, because, you know, you're not him. And if, <laughs> you know, it's not like a, it's not like a computer algorithm. There's a lot of human involvement in these in these things that people are playing. But, um, you know, I'd be like, oh, this is interesting. I wouldn't personally use it like that. I would rather do this little part of that like this. And then you kind of hook, you know, your little sub patch up into that. And then you, you kind of have, you know, you're driving a totally different thing. Totally. Or yeah. um, his record until spring has these like glorious, um, like ascending sort of like stereo boucle, like sort of pops that are just very unusual and kind of almost, they don't really sound like a synthesizer at all. I've always been like fascinated by them. And I kind of, each day when I would go in there to work with the Buchla system, I'd usually patch up like how I thought that patch worked. And I'm pretty sure I kind of figured it out. I never really got it to sound like the same, like the physical, like what's happening is like pretty the same, but like getting, you know, tonally. And that wasn't really, you know, the point at all. It was just more of like, how do I kind of like stimulate sort of like a, you know, a morning cup of coffee, but like for your you know, brain to kind of just like work with right. something. Yeah. Um, sort of like being like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to play this guitar solo. And then I'm going to write my own. I don't know. That's that actually is not. Well, no, I but, think uh, <laughs> there is something to that because I could, I, you know, like I think of somebody like David Gilmore, like I could go learn. I, I'm proficient on guitar to where I could learn, you know, the solo from, uh, you know, t- uh, is it time? Um, you know, I could, I could play that like, note wise could i make it could i bend the notes and do the subtle changes the way david gilmore does yeah no absolutely not like he's like the king of expression on that so yeah it's i think i think it was a good example and i think yeah there's and and if you're and if you're trying to like kind of what's the point like i really wish like i would you know I, I, I take that back. You know what, what anybody wants to do musically and whatever makes them happy is great but it's like i i, I would much rather hear never hear a cover song for the rest of my life and like hear people's originals, whether they were bad or not. Right, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, every, yeah. everyone has something in them and it's like, I, I know it's like hard to sometimes kind of like give yourself like that extra like edge, like, Oh no, this is good. Like I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there and whether or not you do put it out there, but it, I think it's like just great learning, you know? Um, I think, you know, I've always been kind of this like proponent of like, everyone loves experimental music. They just like, don't know it or like, haven't been shown it in the right like situation. Like if you go, that's a hard like, sell. I want to believe it. I want to join your, I want no, to join No, 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 no. And like, and like, and like, here, here's, here's, here's my defense of that. It's like, basically like, yeah, if you play your mom, like, um, depending on how, well, maybe your mom was an experimental music. I don't know. Like, you know, if you play your mom, some like super shrill, obnoxious sound or like, 40 seconds of this like Stockhausen piece out of context or, you know, some thing it's going to not make sense. But like, if you put somebody in like, you know, an atmosphere and play them things they've never heard, I do see people like more often than not, like reacting like children when they've never heard a sound. And it's like, they're just smiling and laughing. Like Chicago just recently, um, got the system that was an issue project room in New York, which is the 16 channel, um, sort of one of a kind sound system that was installed indefinitely at Elastic Arts here, which is a really prominent gallery for um, mostly free jazz and like experimental music. They just do a lot of experimental film stuff. And 
I've been working with the system for about two months. The performance was supposed to be on Friday. It's canceled. Oh, shit. <laughs> as, as, as every, 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 everything is. Yeah. But when they first started having those pieces, and I've seen this in like quadraphonic pieces too, or just any other, you know, music experience that isn't like sitting in a club in front of a PA with like bands on stage, kind of like, you know, as, as that happens you immediately see all these people like wandering around the room and like experiencing sound in these different places. And it's like, you know, one of the first performances I was on, it was a pretty like by Jason Soliday, who's like a very noteworthy, like, you know, for lack of a better word, noise musician in Chicago. Um, and has been for probably 20, 25 years. Jason's work is like, is largely for a lot of people way too harsh, but it's like, people were just so baffled because they never heard sound moving like 16 channels or like been in an experience like this. And everyone, you know, kind of is like that, like babies hearing sound for the first time. They just like laugh and it's just like, wow, this is so fun and exciting. And I think like that, I I think that can be like really similar for synthesis. If you just kind of like get out of your like, you know, method for a a minute and kind of do something that like, he's like, do something that like blows your own mind. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, make, make your synth sound like it's talking, like whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, I think those are just like cool inspirational ways to like do anything else. And, you know, without that kind of like work on like experimentation or like promotion and like most like pop music that you like hear on the radio, especially if it's like rap, which I think is like really like far ahead in terms of like production and like creativity. It's like that wouldn't exist if people weren't just being like, what's, you know, pushing, pushing buttons and trying to try and trying to hear something they've never heard. Definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think the underlying thing, I think you really hit it on the head with, uh, you know, take it out of, taken out of context. It, yeah, it, it, it does nothing for people, but yeah, given the right context, it does work. Like, sh- like really shrill parts of, you know, songs. Maybe there's a ten minute song, and eight minutes in, it gets really, really noisy, and it's almost unpleasant to listen to. But then it lands you in this really nice bed of like a warm pad. It's like, well, that thing that was annoying, it served a function. You know, like learning like the 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 building and breaking of tension is so huge. Like such a that's one of the things that I look for most in in you know good music and oh absolutely i mean i i had a roommate many many years ago that i used to watch to this all the time this is so so stupid but um (laughs) he used to uh like you know he'd like download an album and then just like it'd be like a 20 minute like drone piece or you know whatever it was and he'd just like move the itunes scroller through it and be like well that sounds like a boring track and it's like probably not if you put it on yeah right (laughs) like it's like it's like that 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 piece had you know entire movements and things were you know it's like yeah again like if you grab like five minutes wherever in this it's probably going to sound the same but like you know this this is like this is a lamont young piece like this man is renowned for this he invented you know this and you're (laughs) you're just like glossing over something because you don't have the time Right. to listen to like a 30 minute composition yeah that's like the um, downside of like you know the the twitter instagram world of the instant just like look at it quick next thing what's the what, what happens next i want wait I'm, we're still doing that no what's next that's that shit's old you know like this whole like like expediency culture that's happening um i'm really happy to see that there's still people releasing 10 minute tracks and people are still doing albums that was something i was worried about like the death of the album because albums are just so important to me so 
keep it keep it going yeah no it, it, yeah it makes sense like it's it, it's you know it, kind of going back to like my make noise record which is like a very strange record i think sonically and like my approach to it it was like in a, in some ways you know it was the opposite but i still wanted to keep this like very concise album but it's like the format a 12 inch 45 it's like you know you have two 10 minute 12 minute sides maybe mm-hmm. so it's like but i wanted it to be like a very cohesive record but i wanted you know if this was an lp i wouldn't have issues of having side long tracks and like 18 minute side tracks yeah. but it's like this is the four you know what format are you working at all of that makes a difference and, you know i chose the ep format to kind of do what i kind of grown up with eps which is like you know this sort of like almost like sampler in between records where it's like here's all this stuff we've been working on Here's a lot at once, right? You know, so my my decision okay. with that was, uh-huh. was was sort of like I want like five or six tracks on this that are just like completely different, but also like how do I tie them together? That makes As opposed, sense, you know, yeah. because because working with the formats like important. There's a really cool, Definitely. yeah. There's a really really great um, online like subscription based um, label right now called Long Form Editions that uh, listeners should check out. Um, you can find them on Bandcamp, which are essentially doing digital only like long long playing tracks um you know 20 20 minutes and up and it's a really beautiful format because you know exactly what you're getting into um and like you know lps are great for, you know cassettes are great for certain things you know all but you know formats matter and i think if you're only you know getting music from like youtube then you're probably not listening to these you know or maybe you are i have no idea but like you know chances are you're probably not diving into these like longer form compositions or you're, you know, you're kind of looking for a more immediate, um, immediate like releases of, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, little tracks, whatever, make it up. Um, so yeah, for me, it's like, I, I never really have made like tons of these like two and three minute tracks that kind of like almost like compilation style of the record. And that's kind of like why I chose to do that because it's that kind of a format. It's a quick format it makes a lot of sense because I listened to it again uh, I listened to it three times in a row this morning in preparation for this and and I remember you know from our last chat that I had I had this pretty similar impression um, of it having variation but still you know sounding like the same record which I've, I've always put a high premium on that you know um, you know, I, I loved No Effects back in the day, but every fucking song was the same song. <laughs> you know? Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely changes. Like with the medium, for me, it was kind of like, well, you know, I I, I tend to do a few different types of things, and like, how do I kind of do all of it at once? And that that was it was it was tricky, and it ended up being like probably the most I've ever like recorded for something, which is odd because it's an EP. But it was just like, okay, like, how do I get, how do I go like 10 different directions mm-hmm. at once? So was um, primarily- without, yeah, with, with, without it sounding like, yeah, like the, like the punky, you know, the kind of classic like punky P where it's yeah. just like, here's like five, here's five new fucking songs. Right. You know? Yeah. Who, gives, yeah. who, who cares? <laughs> Which I think is, is, it's smart and it's something I've never thought of, uh, like, you know, consciously, but I think it makes a lot of sense with how you described the difference between a long plane and EP. Like if I was going to approach an EP, it would be different than a long play. And I think I would do something similar with you. I, I would look at the EP as my chance to kind of have fun and, ex, you know, and show multiple sides of what I can do to whereas an album would maybe be focusing on one specific thing to, to be kind of a, a long form piece. So yeah, I, I really like that distinction. 
Um, yeah. When you're make, so when you're making this record, uh, what were you using equipment wise? The whole thing is just modular. Okay. Um, Eurorack, which or is kind of kind of rare. Yeah, one hundred percent. And largely make noise stuff. Um, you know, I've been doing a couple projects with them over the years, um, and you know, gotten really close with all the staff there. And they had approached me with it, and I was like, "This is a really cool, unique record for me." Um, so I was like, "You know, a twelve and twenty-five. That's kind of like weird, you know. And I, I don't really know." how often that's going to happen. And I was like, I, I thought that was really cool. That they were like committed to that format pretty much across all of their records. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And it took me a little bit to kind of come up with what I wanted to do. I literally thought about the other way where I'm like, what if I just do it as like these kind of like not long form players, but like longish players, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort of more like fo- focus your compositions or I can make, do it kind of the opposite way and do like a ton of these like short, little bursts of tracks that are all over the place. Um, generally speaking, like 70, like actually, I mean, in all honesty, like 85% of the music I've been making for the bulk of, you know, all of my records comes from the modular, like kind of in its like Genesis state, like for sure. And then kind of gets rearranged, um, remixed, layered, um, affected, you know, in in a variety of different ways in the computer. That's like very much a very big process in my work. And for that stuff, I was like trying to keep it minimal. Like I didn't want all of these sort of like computer processes to take over um, the record. I really wanted it to be like, it's like this record is different for me because it's like a modular manufacturer's releasing the record like largely or presumably like to more of a like modular minded audience than say like other people right so you know with with, like a normal record label so i was like i want it to be like as much of a modular record as like possible and also as much of a make noise record as possible so yeah um a lot of the tracks like for instance there's a track called ana which is entirely made with a morphogene it's like unaffected morphogene but i mean there's several layers and there's different things coming back but i was like how can i make entire tracks with just the morphogene and then doing you know some very light um like post post processing and arranging mm-hmm. um and sort of you know additional recording but like how can i do it like how can i make entire tracks with just the morphogene um, so were you like playing multiple you know, samples it, it, like multi-tracked and then like finding like like tracking one sample manipulation and then like recording another track over the top with finding a new sample, like a little bit. Um, some of, most of it was like finding like, you know, real, like kind of making, I've done, I've made a number of reels that you can find on make noises, free sound, um, for make noise. I know that they were like shipping with some for like a little bit, oh, cool. uh, when they first started that. Um, I'm not really sure right now, but I was basically just coming up with like entire reels that could be like, like almost like sample packs. Like if you were to make like a drum kit and you're like, I want to use the kick from an 808 and a snare from a whatever. Yeah. And you know, the, uh, uh, you know, a, a sample of like a chord stab or something. I was kind of thinking the same way with, um, samples that were like, you know, could fit on like three minute reels. So it's like all of these things that I can like really use the morphogene to do. So there's like a guitar piece. There's like a very, like, like there's like a shred of, um, some sort of like very strange, like almost like IDM beat work. There's 
um, pieces of my friend Riley Walker's guitar. There's crinkling paper. There's, you know, there's all these diff- different sorts of sound. And actually, Make Noise released the reel of that. So there's actually like an entire reel out there on Freesound that has everything from that track. To, just with the kind of idea that like you could just remake that entire track. Um, That's cool. how, you know, how it was actually layered is a little bit different. And like, you know, once getting it into the computer, but that was like, honestly, the easy part. Cause then it was just like arranging. It was like, I want to, you know, I could, you know, I didn't want to make a track with just those sounds. That would have been really boring, but like those sounds processed through it back into a computer and then rearranged is like made so much more sense to me. It was like, you know, I would have, if I had five morph genes, I would have done it that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And done it more like compositionally with that um which i would have no issue doing but like (laughs) you know that'd be a very bizarre way of it'd be an overkill way of doing the same thing well shit man we've already got an hour are you up for a patch challenge today um i could yeah absolutely Sweet. And so we're on, we're on, we're on, we're on quarantine times. That's perfect. Right. Yeah. And you know, we don't, we, we all have to do it over the call. You can do it when we're done and then just send it over with your uh, audio files. Perfect. But, uh, so I got yeah, some words the, for you. Okay. Dismissed wound. What do you think of that? I like that one. It kind of reminds me of, uh, like a nuclear assault song or like a, <laughs> just like some sort of, uh, it feels fitting for the time kind of. Yeah, um, it's very like, like thrash, like early '90s, like late '80s metal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing what you could do with it. Um, dang, well, you know, before we get off, though, I wanted to ask you: Have you talked to Kyle Swisher? Uh, do you know who Kyle is? Dark Sparkler. Uh, I'm not. I'm not familiar. No. He he does a podcast uh, called The Source of Uncertainty. It's a uh, it's a Buchla podcast, and he actually just got back from EMS. He went over there. Um, he got to go spend some time uh, playing with their their Buchlas and stuff and then talking with them. So their, that episode is going to be released around the time that this one is, of The Source of Uncertainty. Oh, it's very be, cool. Yeah, like, I, would love, I would love to. Yeah, awesome. I would love to speak to him more. I mean, EMS is, um, yeah, for anybody, like, you know, it's unfamiliar. Um, EMS is definitely, like, one of the premier electronic music studios in the world. Um, it's government funded. It's been in Sweden for, I don't, I don't know how many, 40 years or something, but the equipment they have there is very native to their spot. And it's been, a it was an extremely, extremely um, rewarding experience to go work with the systems there. I've gotten to do a lot of work with Buklas and Surges um, over the years, but working there is just definitely a little more special. Um, and all of the recordings that I did there um, will be released on LP um, through a label called American Dreams, which is like a new Chicago industrial label um, in the fall. Actually, it just got sent out to be mastered this week, so it will uh, oh, so should cool. be happening should be happening in the fall. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that, but I also kind of wanted to maybe not talk about it here in case. Uh, Kyle and Robert wanted to have you on. I, th- I feel like it could be cool to hear you guys share stories of being there or something. So I'll hook you guys up. Oh, yeah, up. that'd be super interesting. Um, yeah, please do. But yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out that new record. Um, yeah, is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to uh, get off your chest? A scream from the modular mountaintops? Um, not really. I think it's just right now, uh, you know, if you can, there's so many, uh, you know, you and I have like the the good fortune to work from home during this time, but 
to anybody who's listening, like, you know, support people on Bandcamp and support the, you know, just tons and tons of artists that are out of work right now because they're not being able to play festivals or shows that they had booked or tours. I mean, how many people I know personally that had to cancel tours is in the, you know, in, in the hundreds, right. let alone, you know, you know, any of these things. So, um, it's a really good time. There's so many, you know, the, the amazing thing is that we live in a time where you can support artists you like, um, financially, you know, whether it's like a dollar buying a track or, you know, buying some of their goods through their websites or whatever it is. But, um, that's just one thing I think, you know, you know, or have, you know, what we mentioned earlier, if you need somebody to master your work right now, like there's plenty of people out there, but, um, yeah, I like support, support local businesses and, uh, local artists and whatnot. Um, yeah, now is the time to really, to do it if, if you can. And if you are one of those people struggling, then, you know, I don't know, try to make your content visible, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully. I mean, that's, that's definitely another problem, but, um, yeah, for anybody that wants to listen, um, Brett Naki on Bandcamp and, um, um, newest record on Make Noise still available. Um, I know Make Noise still has some copies. You can get it through their website, which I'm sure anybody listening to a modular podcast is aware of. Make Noise. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you can listen. You know, everything of mine is available through iTunes and Spotify as well, um, Bandcamp, and uh, yeah, you got yeah. Some, thanks so much some, for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And you got some really great releases on uh, Houseu Mountain. Yeah, you got all sorts of stuff on Bandcamp. So. Um, what else? There was one more thing. Oh, I wanted to ask you before we got off. Uh, do you do you have any of those Naki pens with the swoosh made up or the the, yeah. the stickers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> I've also got a. I'm trying really hard to get a cease and desist, and then if I do, I'm gonna put it on like a record cover because oh. they seem like the kind of shitty company that would do something like that. Uh-huh. So I've been like trying to go go kind of hard. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, you know, I'll I'll. I'll, I'll it's 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 low energy time, so I'll put one in the mail for you. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say if you have stickers, send them out to me, send me a stack of them, and I'll send them out every time I mail stuff to my Patreon people, <laughs> and when they buy blank panels from me and stuff. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> right on. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, yeah, we'll chat again in the future. I'm sure. Awesome. That was a fun chat. Let's check out "Dismissed Wound" by Brett Naki.
That was a sweet patch. Thank you so much, Brett. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. And because I had the time, I decided I would try my own patch challenge of Dismissed Wounds because I got the Generate 3 and I got the new Zorb filter from All Right Devices, which is a multi-mode filter. And it has two inputs for the cutoff, one of which tracks at one volt per octave. We're gonna get into that. I'm gonna be making demos for those two this week. Um, But I just wanted to put them into action and let you hear them a little bit. And uh, I just wanna also remind you all that there are our new t-shirts up on teespring and uh yeah just thank you to everybody who helps keep this show going i'm gonna try to keep it going and uh just try to try to maintain any sort of normalcy that i can in this really weird uncertain time i really hope that you're keeping it together and if you're not reach out to me let's chat until next week